going right through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and we are in the last chapter of the book of Daniel. Woo, that's right. Daniel, what a book. We're in the last chapter this evening of the book of Daniel. So, let's pray before we begin. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this glimpse into the future. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be as orphans, wondering what is going to happen in the times to come. And, Lord, your word says that we're not supposed to set our mind on things of the earth. As we were reading this morning, Lord, your word says, do not love the things, do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not set our mind on the world, but set your mind on things above. And Lord, we'd want to do that just for the next hour, Lord, setting our mind on things above, setting our mind on your kingdom. Lord, what a distraction the world it can be. And Lord, it's just a joy to be able to get here and open your word and receive from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 12 of Daniel. Now, throughout the Old Testament, in Jeremiah and Isaiah, in particular in Ezekiel, we have learned about the coming of the Messiah. And the Messiah, we are told throughout the prophet, prophets in the Old Testament would come to and establish his kingdom and he would rule and reign on earth and, uh, and it would be a reign of peace and not of conflict, not of war. John the Baptist questioned whether Jesus was the Messiah because he was well-versed in the Old Testament and in his reading of the Old Testament, when Messiah came, he would destroy the enemies of Israel and he would set up shop. He, as many, he as well as, as many Jews, had focused too much on the Messiah that would return and establish a kingdom and reign in power. And there were many other verses which talked about a suffering Messiah. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about a suffering Messiah and 
promised before he ascended to heaven that he would return and establish his kingdom just as the Old Testament prophets said he would. And the one prophet that talks about this time more than any other is the prophet Daniel. That um, there would, that, that the Christ would come in and he would return and he would establish his kingdom. In chapter 12, verse 1, it begins with this. It says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. At what time? At the time that was described at the end of chapter 11, where the Antichrist would come in and would wreak havoc in Israel. The Bible says that, uh, can we, actually, can we put up the, uh, on the projection screen, this is, this is a, a timeline you guys have seen quite a bit, but uh, we're in the present church age now, and the Bible says that before Jesus returns, right down here, Jesus returns to cha- uh, establish his kingdom, there would be an Antichrist, and the Antichrist would come, uh, rise from uh, the uh, rise from the midst of a confederation of ten sovereign states that would arise in the in the latter days, in the uh, latter years prior to Christ's return, and that he would uh, establish a peace treaty with Israel, and that's going to enable Israel to rebuild the temple. And at the beginning of that time, the Antichrist would come into the temple and desecrate it by insisting on worship of himself, and that the, the Jews are, are, are going to be so horrified by that the reaction of the Antichrist is a three and a half year of great tribulation of the Jews. After three and a half years, Jesus would return to establish his kingdom, at which time there's a a thousand year reign followed by the final judgment and then the new heavens and the new earth uh, would come in. Verse one of chapter 12 of Daniel says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. Now, Again, at what time? At the time that the Antichrist uh, comes. Verse 36 of chapter 11 through the end of the chapter describes uh, this Antichrist. It says in verse 36, Then the king, speaking of the Antichrist, shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak in blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper to the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. And, and, and so it says he... He shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of woman nor regard any God. So in the short term, we've talked about this throughout the prophets. There's a short-term prophecy, sometimes a a sort of a a short-term, an intermediate term, if you will, and there's a long-term. There was a king called Antiochus Epiphanes, who persecuted the Jews, who uh, reigned about 100 and something like 170 BC, who the first part of Daniel chapter 11 
describes this king. But verse 36, there's a departure, and we know that it doesn't describe that particular king, Antiochus Epiphanes, because he did worship gods. He did, he put the, the, actually an image of Zeus right there in the temple. And here in verse 37, it says that he shall, he shall not regard any God, so he, but he shall exalt himself above them all. And that's precisely what the Antichrist is going to do right here in the middle of this seven-year period. And, and so he shall rise up. The, the, the rest of the chapter there talks about a time of great war where um, there's going to be actually kingdoms uh, in the latter days which attack him from the north and from the south and also from the east, but he's going to win and he's going to gain incredible power throughout the world. And that's where it says, and at that time, Michael shall stand up. Now, Michael is the archangel um, of Israel. We already saw him in Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, uh, where uh, he's described as Michael, your prince, meaning the prince of Israel. The Bible describes in that same chapter in Daniel chapter 10, princes, speaking of angels, angelic demonic princes over different principalities in the, in the world. In, uh, there's one described there in Persia, another in Greece. Somewhere else there's one, uh, I, I believe, of, uh, of the area of uh, Russia in the north. Uh, Michael, however, is the one prince who is over a principality that he's not a demonic prince. He's God's prince. And it's believed to this very day he is the uh, prince over that principality, that nation, the nation of uh, Israel. And so important to understand that Satan is a fallen angel, Lucifer. And sometimes people think that Satan's sort of the opposite of God. No, not at all. Uh, Satan is a creation. Lucifer is a creation of God. You could say that Satan is the opposite of Michael. They were both archangels in a sense. And uh, it, it says that he's the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. The sons of your people. The, the, the spiritual garden, guardian, if you will. And so it says, and there shall be a time of trouble. Now again, this is referring to this time right here, a time of trouble. Again, verse one begins with, at that time, at the time that the Antichrist is just spreading like crazy and has this, this great amount of power, this, he just ex- he expands his power greatly, different from the north, from the south, from the east, all come against him. He wins all his battles. But at that time, the archangel Michael shall stand up. And it's going to be a great time of trouble. And that's this um, three-and-a-half-year period. It's called the period of the Great Tribulation here. And uh, in, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, it's called the time of Jacob's uh, trouble. 
And it says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered. Now that's quite a statement that there, that this time right here is going to be the, t- the, the greatest tribulation the people of Israel had ever experienced because if you're a student of history and a student of the Bible, you will know that Israel's had just a series of unspeakably uh, difficult times. You, know, you, you start with, you know, the nation of Israel, they, they had a civil war and they d- divided from the north to south. The, when the north fell and the, uh, to the Assyrians in about something like 750 B.C. in Samaria, there was this, this protracted description of uh, cannibalism and just what the, the city had went through when the Assyrians were coming in and starting to wipe them out. And then when Jerusalem was overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, just widespread destruction. When Jerusalem was destroyed after Jesus was crucified by the Romans, a million Jews, a million were killed. And another 300,000 were sold into slavery. Throughout the dark ages, the, the middle ages. Read about it. Google it. It is shocking. Just wave after wave after wave of what were called pogroms in, in Europe uh, where the Jews were just killed and persecuted. And of course, in, the, in World War II, Hitler, the, the six million Jews died in the Holocaust. To say that this will be a time of trouble such as never was there since um, the nation has ever had, that is quite an amazing statement. Jesus also describes this period in Matthew 24, verse 21. He says, there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever will there be. And it's described, we've already seen it um, a description of uh, of the anti- the antichrist is going to be behind it the antichrist has always tried to destroy uh, israel before jesus birth it was because he knew that through israel the messiah uh, would come you know after jesus i just believe it's just because of hatred because that's where the messiah came from he's always tried to destroy Israel, but in Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 and 17, there is a, it it deals with this three and a half year period, this period described in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12, it describes it in detail. Um, It says that, that, um, in verse 13 of Revelation chapter 12, the dragon was cast to the earth and he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon spewed out of his mouth and it says the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who 
are the Jews who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in Daniel chapter 7, we saw the same thing where the, the, the Antichrist would raise up in verse 25 of chapter uh, 7 of Daniel and speak pompous words against the Most High, and he shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And, shall, and he says he shall persecute them. Um, again, another reference uh, in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse um, 13, rather. In chapter 13, verse 7, it says, It will be granted to the Antichrist to make war with the saints and to overcome them. This is a very strange thing, but it's what the, the, the Bible says. So we know that at this time, the church is out of the way because Jesus says the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. The church is raptured out at this time right here. And, and at this time is, is this final seven-year period prior to the return of Christ. And it's during this, this time where prophecy says that for whatever reason, God grants to the Antichrist to make war with the saints and, and actually overcome them. So this, a, a, a real great time of tribulation uh, during that period. And the trumpets, this whole tribulation period is described in Revelation where the, the seals of judgment, the bowls of judgment are cast down uh, onto the earth. But then Daniel says there in chapter 12, it says, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And so there will be a deliverance there. The Jews, from the very beginning, no matter how great the attack is against the Jewish people, God has uh, promised to preserve them. He'll never break his promise to Abraham. He told Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, I will establish my covenant uh, between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant, and he'll be true to it uh, to the very end. And so... There will be deliverance for everyone written in the book. So throughout the Bible, there are references uh, to the book. If you remember Moses in in Exodus chapter 32, uh, verse 32, he cries out to God, Lord, if you don't uh, deliver this people, strike my name out of thy book. In other words, if you're just going to destroy this people, because God was so mad at the people in Exodus, he says, I'm going to destroy them. He says, if you do that, just strike my name out of the book. So this concept of a book, a book of life, dates way back into Exodus. In Psalm 56, uh, and we've discussed this verse. It says, you have kept all my tears in the book, Psalm 68. Lord, strike the wicked out of your book in Malachi. There's a book of remembrance of those who gather before the, the Lord. Jesus says every idle word is recorded and brought forth in the day of judgment. If that doesn't strike fear into an unbeliever, every idle word is written down in the book. And so we either have a choice. Either the blood of Jesus covers all that or we have to, we have to give a response, a, a justification 
of every idle word we've, we've, um, we've ever mentioned uh, in our lives. And so there'll be a time of deliverance. And uh, right here, you know, it speaks of uh, this is where Jesus is going to return. He's going to deliver his people right here. And then it says in verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so the concept of the resurrection of the dead. You know, in the Old Testament, there is, there is this concept of a, of a resurrection that you see. The oldest book of the Bible, Job 19, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. So there's this, this notion of a resurrection in the Old Testament. Um, also, just in the book of Hosea, in Hosea, the Lord says through Hosea, I will ransom them from the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. Paul uh, quotes that. There's this concept in the Old Testament um, of a resurrection, but it's not really developed. It's just this general thing that the dead will raise at some point. Isaiah 26 says, your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. And remember David, when his son with Bathsheba died, he said that he would see him uh, one day. Now, in the New Testament, that is further developed. The Bible is a book of progressive revelation. When God found, called out Abraham, the knowledge of God had almost been completely shut off. The whole world was just basically pagan. They didn't know anything about God. And there's this gradual revelation of God reintroducing himself to the world in a very, very gracious way. And he didn't do it all overnight. He didn't insist on them changing all overnight. Sometimes people are confused. Why is there polygamy in the Old Testament? Why is that? Well, it's not because it was okay with God. It was because the, Lord, the, the, the world was so lost and so far gone, he gradually gives them revelation and, and brings them back. Praise God, by the time of the New Testament, it's a thing of the past for God's people. But same thing with, with, with revelation, including things like the resurrection. So in the New Testament... It's further developed, and we learn that there's going to be a resurrection of the people who are saved, and there's going to be a resurrection for the damned, for, uh, for unbelievers. Uh, in, in the book of John, 
chapter 5, verse 29. It says this, just as uh, John chapter 5, verse uh, 29, Jesus says, he says, do not marvel, he says, at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Uh, Revelation chapter 20 has the exact same concept, the, the, the resurrection, uh, there's a resurrection of believers to life and there's a re- resurrection of unbelievers to um, uh, to condemnation. Now notice here, it does say some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And so there we see the concept of hell, everlasting punishment. Um, and it's, it's a, a, a torment that is not brief. The Bible says it, lasts for eternity. Uh, the, uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it speaks of the same punishment. It says, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the pro- false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And, and the calm the concept there forever and ever there's there's not an end to it just like in the old testament where there was the there had to be sacrifice over and over again because of basically man was imperfect and they were waiting on the the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus so imperfection is going to be punished and there's it's not going to end and and so Look, I don't like the, the doctrine of hell. All I know is that it's taught, and it's taught repeatedly uh, by Jesus himself, and we see it here coming up in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, some will go to everlasting contempt. Everlasting contempt. It says, those who are wise shall shine. Verse 3 like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so there is this concept of rewards in in the Bible and it does appear that those who turn many to righteousness, those who are, are... are going out and, and, and sharing their faith and, and turning to people to, uh, to the Lord, that they will, in particular, they, they're going to have a, a more brilliant uh, shining there, uh, it says. And so uh, this, this picture of, of saints in heaven, of, of believers in heaven, there will be a brightness like the, like the, like the brightness of stars there. Um, now, in the period of the, uh, uh, of the tribulation, this, this period, the book of Revelation does say that there's going to be 144,000 evangelists from Israel's tribes, and they, they are going to be turning many uh, to the Lord, and this could be a reference to to uh, them in particular. 
Verse 4 says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. So there's a, the concept here that, okay, here's, this is the end of these visions. We've been reading about visions since the beginning of the book of Daniel. It says, shut up the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, there have been many, many different interpretations of this, the latter half of this verse. Many shall run to and fro. Isaac Newton, the scientist who uh, is definitely one of the most brilliant men that ever lived. I think I shared this with you. I was watching a a TV program interviewing an MIT scientist, and he said only about every 500 years does the world have someone as smart as Isaac Newton. But he was a Christian, and he, he was a student of the Bible, and he interpreted this t- to mean that there's the concept of, of in the latter days, at the time of the end, that people will be going to and f- fro at at high speeds, very high speeds. And I forget what speed he said, like 100, 150 miles an hour, he predicted. Uh, And and there's a story of Voltaire, who was sort of, uh, speaking of the Antichrist, he certainly had the spirit of the Antichrist. He was sort of the father of the human enlightenment. He used to just mock uh, Voltaire did. He used to mock Isaac Newton. He told him, oh yeah, that guy Newton b- believes in that outrageous book called the Bible. And, and he came up with a theory that if man ever traveled that, uh, Voltaire said if man ever traveled that fast, he would have a heart attack. He wouldn't be able to live at that, at that speed. Well, um, Newton was correct. Uh, and there's also the concept that in the end, verse 4, knowledge shall increase. Of course, there's been an explosion of knowledge through technology in the last 30 years. Just unfathomably, this explosion of of knowledge that we have, just at the click of a search, a a button on a search engine, what you can get. And so many have believed that that's what verse 4 is talking about, that at the time of the end, there'll be uh, just people going to and fro. And of course, airplanes and this type of thing and knowledge shall increase. But there's a whole other school of thought that says that really isn't what it's talking about at all. It's, it's more, it's going to be, it, the concept is here that Daniel shut up the words of the book, seal the book until the time of the end that so much of this book is just not going to be able to be understood by people. There's a fascinating quote by a guy named Adam Clark who wrote in 1825. And he, he wrote about the book of Daniel, about these verses. He said, you know, we, we, don't, we look at this book and we don't understand. And, and this guy, Adam Clark, actually says this in the year 1825. He says, until the 20th, by our calculations, and clearly he's talking um, about... Uh, Daniel chapter 9 and other places, until the 20th century, we're not going to be able to make much of this book. That's what Adam Clark said. 
Apparently, you know, he's doing calculations as to when Israel is going to become a nation again. And he says, until, until that happens, God has sealed this stuff, and we really don't understand. 1 Corinthians 13 say, now we, we look as in a mirror dimly lit. And, um, but the, the concept is, is that as these signs in the book of Daniel start to happen, that we'll be able to understand this book, you know, more and more and more. And, you know, we've, even, we've been through this chapter, the one chapter which talks about uh, the Gog and Magog and, and there's going to be a power that comes down from the north uh, to come in and invade and just what's happened with Russia and some of these, and, and how much they have opposed Israel and how much they've been uh, supporting the enemies of Israel, it, it really is true that we can read this book and under, you know, we, we can't get it perfect, but we can understand it a lot more. So the, the, there are those who believe, verse 4, really what it's talking about is that they'll run to and fro looking at this book and there'll be a great increase in the knowledge of what this book really means because the context here is, uh, as you will see here, is Daniel doesn't really get it. He doesn't even get it or understand these visions. And so it says in verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river and the other on that river. And this just goes back to Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, where he's by a river here. And was it Daniel 10, verse 1, he was by a river? Or was it, where was that? He was by a river. Uh, the river, was it? Oh, yeah, verse 4 of Dan- Daniel chapter 10. So he's, this, the last two or three chapters written about the Antichrist and the, uh, and, and the coming of the return of, uh, of Christ, it's, it's all he's, these visions while he's by this river. And it says, while I was by the river, he says, I saw two others, and it's these two angels here. And it says, and the one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? In other words, when are these things going to happen? Verse 7, then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. So he's hovering over the river. I don't know if he's walking on water or what, but it says, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. So we've already discussed this. This is Aramaic for three and a half years, this period right here. And, and, and so from the time the desecration of the temple happens, Jesus says, the abomination of desolation. He says there is going to be a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, so during this thing here, it says all these things shall be finished. Now things get even way more complicated, as if, that were possible. It's true. The last few verses. You would think the last few verses of Daniel, things may get a little easier. 
says, although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, well, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, he's saying, wait, this, I'm just not getting this. And the angel says, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. In other words, like Adam Clark says, people won't really be able to get this stuff until some of these signs start to happen. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. 1,290 days. And so here, the next question is, okay, what does this mean? 1,290 days. Well, that's, uh, someone may be able to help me with the math. That, there is in, let me, let me look at my notes here. In the book of Revelation, Just give me a few seconds here to get my bearings. I got to go to the book of Revelation now to get my numbers right here. Because this starts getting really confusing. The book of Revelation speaks of a period of 42 months, 42 months, which is a three and a half year period. Now, how many days are in 42 months? Someone want to do the math on one of your calculator? 42 times 30. Someone want to do the math for me? 1,260 days. So here in Daniel, it says, and that from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. It's like, thank you, Daniel. What's that? That's 30 days more than a three and a half year period. So what is that talking about? 30 days after? 30 days into the millennial reign is what he's referring to here. And, and people say, well, well, what is that? What is that talking about? And some people think that's a reference here uh, to the judgment, to the, to, 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 to the time where there's going to be judgment and it's going to take a while for you know things are just going to be wiped out at this time there's this uh, you know terrible uh, judgment uh, that happens and it's thought that 
you know, maybe it's, it's going to be a time that's where the judgment is set up. Or perhaps it's the time where Jesus' government, remember his government's going to reign uh, for a thousand years. Perhaps that's the time where the government is officially established. And then the next verse, it says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335th day. So that's, so you have 1,230 days, which is a three and a half year period. You have 1,260 days, so perhaps that's when Jesus' uh, government is officially established. What's this? In verse 12, it's 1,335 days, and I'm sorry, that's when there's speculation that perhaps that's when the judgment occurs. We don't really know. And and again, we're still, we're kind of like Adam Clark is, is saying, we're still looking at this stuff, wondering, hmm, you know, what's this all about? But again, as, as verse Four says, knowledge shall increase in the end. At some point, these numbers will probably start making a lot more sense. So just to, uh, just to review, there's going to be 1,260-day period here, which is the time of the Great Tribulation. There's going to be 30 days after that, which is the reference in uh, verse 11, where some event is going to happen. Perhaps it's when Jesus' government is established. And then there's going to be, what is it, 45 days after that, according to verse 12, where something else is going to happen. And perhaps that is when the nations are judged. Verse 13 says, but you... Go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. He's going to get one good reward, this guy, Daniel. And so he's saying, look, you just need to cool out. You're not going to understand everything that this is about. And you just need to go about and do the business of the kingdom because you're not going to get all this at this point. So, ah, that's the end of Daniel. Some of you will walk a mile in my shoes. You'll have to teach through Daniel uh, some day. It ain't easy. And, uh, but it's important. Jesus quoted Daniel. He quoted Daniel. And it is pretty amazing that the Lord does give us a glimpse into the future. He wants us to be stirred up looking for expect, the expectation of, of Jesus' return. He, you know, he wants us to do that. He, he wants us to read these things. And although we may not completely get some of the stuff, uh, he wants us to he, he wants us to, to be excited. As we were talking about this morning, Ch- Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, 
when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He, and, and certainly Daniel is a book we may not be able to understand the whole thing, sort of like Re- the book of Revelation, but it does stir us up. It does stir us up to, uh, to long for his to return, to pray for his return, and to expect his return. Okay, well, that is the book of Daniel. We are going to just uh, close this evening with, uh, with prayer.